Welcome to the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCready and featuring Zach Barry of Red Cup Rebellion, the Soft Verbal Podcast is your number one podcast dedicated to Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. Featuring guests from throughout the Rivals.com network, the Soft Verbal Podcast tells you what is happening and what's going to happen on the recruiting trail. And it does it in style, just like Dead Soxie. Visit DeadSoxie.com and enter promo code RebelGrove at checkout for 30% off your order of the best dress socks you'll ever wear. Now... Here's your host, Neil McCready. Welcome into the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. I'm Neil McCready. That's Zach Barry. You see him there on the screen. You just missed a moment of what would have been a great Zoom podcasting. Zach's lovely wife brought in a, uh, a sample of her homemade butternut squash macaroni and cheese. And um, Zach was quite pleased. I hate that we didn't get that on camera. Would have been would have been really good, but you know, hope I painted a mental picture for you. Um, I'm Neil McCready. That's Zach Barry. We're going to talk some recruiting here for the next I don't know 35 minutes or so. First, I want to tell you that we're brought to you by Dead Soxy, the best socks you'll put on your feet. DeadSoxy.com, the no shows, the uh, traditional socks. You'll pull them up. They stay up. You don't have to bend down all day to pull your socks up. They keep your feet nice and cool and dry. You'll love them. The uh, no-shows are just that. They don't show. They don't slide. Uh, perfect for uh, loafers if you're going um, with the sockless look. Very stylish. They, they fit great. Stay up. You'll love them. And uh, tell Dead Soxie that you heard about them on the podcast. Enter Rebel Grove in the promo code at uh, checkout. You get 30% off from dead soxy i'm coming to you from the clark ford studios clark ford's in amory mississippi 662-257-1900 is the number call it ask for Corey clark tell Corey what ford product you're looking for he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours right to the bottom line no hassle no haggle you get your quote and the rest is up to you 662-257-1900 zach besides um sampling butternut squash macaroni and cheese how are you Doing well. It's uh, another lovely day here in Nashville. Got a got a double dip action officiating wise this week. Did a game last night, and then got another one tonight. So was uh, not to get political at all, but I'm curious from a logistical standpoint. Did Nashville kind of shut down last night with the president and, uh, and oh my God. the former vice president in town? It was brutal. So. It was timed up just perfectly for uh, going to pick up the little man from school. Um, as I was driving out to Brentwood to go get him, I noticed that northbound 65 was completely blocked. And they had the emergency trucks out there blocking the highway. It was just a parking lot. And I kind of looked in my mirror to see what the emergency vehicle said. And it just said close. And as I was, you know, I remember I was like, I went past there. It was no wreck. I didn't see an ambulance. And then I was like, uh, okay. So Trump and Biden basically landed in Nashville. Roughly the same time. Yeah, they were not separated by much. So uh, that was blocked off because 65 kind of runs into the same interstate system that comes from the airport. Belmont is kind of smack dab in the middle of Nashville. Um, so that was that. And on the way back, I basically detoured because the interstate was just completely blocked. So I was going down um, Old Harding Pike, and I caught uh, FRA school traffic. So the normal 15 to 20-minute 
drive home from picking him up turned into about 45. So, wow. um, other than that though, it wasn't terribly bad. I mean, I officiated a game out, you know, out in white house, Tennessee. So I was way out there, which is fitting for the night of a debate. I was in white house, Tennessee, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so I was going away from, from Nashville. So I really didn't catch too much of it. So it's always interesting to watch the logistics of, of one of those, because you know that everybody, there's been so much planning and there's so much concern because the, the president of the United States is flying in, which is an event in and of itself. And then mm -hmm. on top of that, you have the, uh, potential future president of the United States and you he's a former vice president and you have all the people that are accompanied with him and then you have the debate people and you have so much media there and uh, there's a there's a lot of logistics that that go it's anybody who's ever covered a presidential event so I, I, I covered one Zach back in the 90s in the beginning of my journalism career a horrific tornado ripped through Birmingham and mm -hmm. I killed a lot of people and a couple of days later President Clinton came in and um, we had to go out to the airport to, you know, see him land and, um, and all of that. And he toured the damage in Birmingham and all that. And it just the, the logistics for that visit alone were incredible. And so you think about you probably triple that for a, a presidential debate. So right. anyway, uh, enough of that. I don't want to get anybody accusing me of being political. We're just talking about the it's interesting to watch the machinations of one of those things, because you actually do have to get the people and all of their people to the event, which is yeah, an endeavor in and of itself. Also, when you see like when you see the beast that carries the president, that is one hell of a vehicle now. Do you is see that, that puppy? Is that the limo? It's the limo. They call it the beast because that it is a beast. It is something else. That that is a that is a that is a piece think, of, of machinery right there. I think I saw it. I saw at least one limo that I I don't know if it was in his caravan or the president was actually in it, but it reminded me of the, the like futuristic limo that Wolverine drove in Logan. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's, yeah. it's like Wolverine down on hard times. He's like, uh, you know, chauffeuring, you know, girls to prom and stuff, but it's supposed to be like a futuristic setting of a, uh, I believe it's a Cadillac, but it um, kind of had that same look, but logistics for like presidential caravans and, and, and that kind of thing is very interesting. And then also, um, I was talking, uh, my dad was telling me about uh, whenever the president goes overseas, they take a, um, I don't know the actual term, like a carrier jet. Yeah, with all uh, the stuff. Or a plane with all of the vehicles. Yeah. So, man, I can't imagine the itinerary and like having to logistically do all that. Yeah, because no matter who the president is, you have – you have two of the beast, one mm. that carries the president and one that's a decoy. Right. And then you have to have all the secret service, the external yeah. support. You have to have his medical people. You have to have whatever other officials are traveling with him or her, whatever. Mm -hmm. Again, this is not a Republican Democrat thing. This is just the logistics. And it's, there's a lot there and, and you have to have it because I mean, in the event that something were to go down, it's all got to be right there because that, that the seat of power is inside that beast. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that stuff, that stuff is fascinating. I think it is too. I'm, I'm, I could read and watch stuff about that for a million years. All right. Let's talk some uh, recruiting. You want to start football or basketball up to you? I'd say 
a little more recent, so I'd say we'll start basketball. Okay. Debo Coleman announces his top three. It's Georgia Tech, uh, Ole Miss, and I just looked at the story. You think I'd know. Uh, Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Thank you. I start to say Indiana, but it's Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Sounds to me from talking to different people that this is Georgia Tech Ole Miss. Um, I think Texas Tech's in it. Obviously, Chris Beard has done a fantastic job with that program, uh, developing players, advancing in the tournament, all of those things. This is a kid with Memphis ties. He goes way back with uh, Pastner, and mm-hmm. um, and he also is really tight with uh, Kermit and the Ole Miss staff and with Deshaun Ruffin, who has already signed with or committed to sign with, I'm not sure, one or the other with Ole Miss. Uh, Debo's a two-guard. He's springy. He's a four-star. I'm not sure exactly where we have him ranked. He, he is. He's a player. I'm pulling up right now. I mean, th- this, this, this is a – this is 55 a, nationally. Yeah, this is a big time get if you get him. 6'6, 210. Um, he's in Callahan, Florida now. Stud. His quote about Ole Miss is quote, I'm real good friends with Deshaun Ruffin. We always communicate. We've talked about possibly teaming up together. The other thing with them is they've told me I can play the one and the two, referring to the point and the two guard. They said I could come off ball screens or play off the ball and come off down screens to catch and shoot. In other words, they're selling him on, we're going to prepare you to be an NBA guard. And this is where people have asked Zach a number of times, hey, Neil, does it, does it, uh, w- when does Terrence Davis start to help? This is where Terrence Davis starts to help. Mm-hmm. Well, Miss can now say, hey, look, we only had one year with TD. You know, they'll, they'll do the right thing. AK did a good job with him. You don't want to oversell AK because then all of a sudden he's calling UAB. Um, AK did a good job with him, but we had one year with him and we made him an NBA two guard who's versatile enough to play other spots. And look at him. He's all rookie team with the Raptors, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And imagine what we could do with you, Debo, in two years and get you ready for the NBA if you came and joined us and you could play with Deshaun, you know him, he's going to get you the ball. And when he's not on the floor, we're going to make you the point. That's their selling point. Right. And it's a pretty good one. Here's what he said about Georgia Tech. He said they were one of the schools that has been on me the longest going back to my eighth grade year. They always say I'll have a chance to have the ball in my hands. I like the coaching staff a lot. I feel like I have the best relationship with these coaches since I've been recruited by them the longest. About Texas Tech, he says they are – also recruited me as a one and two. I just like the winning mentality they have. Anytime I talk to the assistant coach, Coach uh, Ulrich Maligi, he's always saying how they are going to win a national championship this year. It's a winning program with a winning history the last few years, which is true. So uh, four-star guy, Rivals sort of agrees with me. They, they think Georgia Tech is a leader here, but they say it's uh, not a done deal. Quoting Dan McDonald of Rivals, Ole Miss has done a terrific job recruiting him, sharing its plan for him, and he's built a really strong friendship with Ruffin to where it's very realistic they decide to play together. What are you hearing? So uh, last couple weeks I've heard a lot of momentum for Ole Miss. Uh, You mentioned the Memphis connection. Um, A a lot of folks forget that Matthew Morrell, originally from Memphis, they all played on the same AAU team together. Uh, way back when, um, as Matthew Morrell played 
at Whitehaven in Memphis before going to IMG. So there's a connection there as well. I think that the potential of being, you know, the guy with the ball in his hand at the one or the two, giving him that flexibility. And then, like you said, build, you know, preparing him for the NBA, all that combined with, you've got a guy like Deshaun Ruffin who can get buckets and you've got a guy like Matthew Morrell who can get buckets. It's almost like a perfect hodgepodge combination of you're going to have the ball in your hand and you're going to have two dudes around you who can help, you know, take the load off a little bit to where it's not, you're our guy, but we also need you to immediately score 18 a game. Um, you know, that's, that's a, a thing here with, with, talking about Georgia Tech and then, you know, Texas Tech's in the conversation as well. Texas Tech, obviously, very successful under Chris Beard, national program now. Um, they just uh, signed a five-star in, in Namari Burnett in the 2020 class who also plays guard, big guy, out of um, Napa, California, at, uh, at the, the uh, so eloquently named high school prolific prep. Um, so they're getting some big-time – signees now but I just think that Memphis connection how Ole Miss has been honest with him how they want to use him and you have the oh by the way two of your best friends growing up that you played AAU ball with are going to be right next to you I think that's a huge selling point um I would say right now it's probably neck and neck Ole Miss Georgia Tech I don't know if I don't really know how hard Texas Tech is really pushing I wouldn't say like they're not that they don't want him but I think it's Josh Pastner and then Ole Miss and all the reasoning uh, that I just used. But um, he's a yeah, priority. Good things. Right he's now. a priority for Ole Miss. I mean, they would they would, they would not only take him; they would pop champagne. They would throw a party. They they want this kid. This kid makes is a difference maker. Uh, you know, they I'm sure they envision in their mind a, a deal where you put, you know, Ruffin at the one, Coleman at the mm-hmm. two, go get. Brandon Huntley Hatfield at the three or the four or both. And um, all of a sudden you're a legitimate player nationally yeah. in basketball. Sean Robinson at the four or the five. Yeah. By then he would have developed. Yeah. Still have so, some, still have some guys. Yeah. Well, he's done a really Kermit has done and his staff have done a great job, Zach, getting to this place. They're mm-hmm. right here. This last step is the hardest step and they're close. Yeah. They're yeah. really, they're really close. One thing that would be, I mean, getting morale and getting rough in is already, that's phenomenal, but you get the trifecta of Debo and that's three top 60 players that you're getting. That's how you build a national brand, a national program. That's how you compete. And then you follow that with Huntley Hatfield, who right now is, like I said, ranked number eight in the country in the 2022 class. Pretty good. And he's, could very easily reclassify. Yeah, I still think that's out there. Um, he's certainly hinted at it plenty. But yeah. also just um, – but, yeah, I mean, Debo, like you said, big physical guy, already looks the part, every bit of 6'6", 200 pounds. I mean, that right there, you, you've got three top 60 guards right there. But you've got Ruffin, who's the small little spark plug, jitterbug, can get to the rim, but can also fill it up from deep. You've got Morrell, who's the polished outside shooter, very sturdy guard. And then you've got the third guy in, in, in Debo, potentially 6'6", big, strong, can 
can really, um, you know, overpower smaller guards that might have to, you know, when he plays the one that might have to, to try to D him up one-on-one. So, yeah, I mean, that's the, the NBA mold right there in a guard where you're six, 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 seven, 200 plus those, those types of dudes don't come around very often to play the one. No. And, and, you know, Kermit, like a lot of coaches has talked about wanting to play positionless basketball to do that. You have to have a deep, diverse, talented, athletic roster getting there. Haven't been able to do that yet because they, the first year they were, they were talented and they had some athleticism, but they weren't deep at all. I mean, at all. And then last year, last year was kind of an abomination by the end. <laughs> I mean, it, it, really yeah. was. it wasn't his fault necessarily. It wasn't anybody's fault. It just, that team was never what he hoped it would be. No. Yeah. At any point. All right, let's, uh, we'll switch to football. By the way, I, I don't, I know the next, the logical question is when are we going to know something? And my answer is, I don't know. I think it's probably in the next couple of weeks. That's okay. what, what I was told. Okay. So you put 50, so, 50 odds coin toss. 50, 50, uh, probably leaning slightly Ole Miss right now. Oh, wow. Okay. There you go. All right. We'll switch to football. Ole Miss, uh, one and three getting ready to play by the time, I guess if you're watching this, the game is today. If you're hearing this, the game might be tomorrow, depending on how quickly I get this podcast version up and to you. Um, <clears throat> we'll talk about this for a minute. Last week, we were talking about a lot of momentum coming off of, of a strong performance against Alabama. Ole Miss goes to Arkansas, plays its worst game of the year. Lose a 33-21 to 21 decision, I think was the final. 33-21, to 21, Arkansas beats Ole Miss. Ole Miss commits seven turnovers. Just, just awful in the red zone, some stuff like that. Um, so I get the question from people, and it's fair. I think we, you and I both will share the same opinion, but we'll broach it before we get into some specifics. Does that equate lost momentum? I don't think so. I, as, bad as, as bad as they played, I thought the defense showed a ton of improvement. Um, I mean, Arkansas is no prolific offense, but no. um, showed huge, huge strides week to week. Now, Alabama is the most efficient offense in the country, and Mac Jones is never going to do that to a lot of people. I mean, hell, they did to Georgia. Yeah. Number one defense in the country, but big time improvement. Um, and then also offensively, I, I thought it was a combination of Corral being a little impatient, not taking what the defense gave him as he did the, the first three weeks where he would tuck it and just get what he could. Um, I think he was looking for the big play a lot. And then I, Corral admitted it in the post game. And then I believe Kiffin and Levy admitted the same where they both got a little impatient with the play calling. Um, but with all of that said, I mean, they still had the ball with under three yeah. minutes and a chance to win. Yeah. So, and you got to give Arkansas credit too. They they were cons- they had a plan. The plan was to drop eight, put them into zones, see if you could force mistakes. They did it, and when Corral made mistakes, they executed. They they made the plays. Give them credit. Mm-hmm. Credits due. They had a. They probably had the one plan that gave them a chance to win it, and they ran it, and it worked. Yeah. Barry Odom and that defense uh, looked really good. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a, a blink of an eye. And it was 17-0. So, um, 
there's a little bit of everything in that. It was a yeah. nice mixed bag of a bunch of, oh, oh, God, this is awful. And then the offense, second half, played well, had a chance. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say they lost any momentum. I still think it's very evident that you can play immediately on that defense. You can also um, be an explosive playmaker in the offense. I mean, Elijah Moore is still on pace to break A.J. Brown's receptions, single-season receptions record in just 10 games. So, um, Kenny Aboa is definitely um, helping Ole Miss out with guys like Jalen Sheed, who's committed to LSU. Um, Kenny Aboa right now, I believe, is still leading the country. And um, I have to look up the stat, but it was essentially yards after catch, I believe. Um, but, yeah, I – Momentum is still there. I think recruits know this is a year zero type vibe, and this is something to where it's like, you know what, they're not there yet, but if I get if if I go there, they're there. Um, oh, here it is, Neil. Okay. SEC pass catchers with the best first down uh, plus touchdown rate entering week five. Kenny Aboa, eighty two point four percent of his catches are for first downs or touchdowns. That's pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Uh, They're talking about Ole Miss needs defense. We know that. They need defensive linemen. It's hard to go out and get young defensive linemen to step in and play right away. Uh, everyone's been recruiting those guys, the ones that are impactful right away. It's not realistic to expect to land a bunch of those kind of guys. Ole Miss got a defensive line commitment this week, and they are pursuing a bunch of JUCO defensive linemen that we know of, and I suspect they're going to be active in the grad transfer and then the transfer markets. First, uh, give us your thoughts on the commitment, and then let's talk about some of these JUCO guys that, that you've highlighted today who I know they're in on. Uh, Devin Lee, I, I like this pickup, kid out of Georgia. Uh, I talked to a high school coach, and the quote was, the guy's everywhere said he never leaves the field, and he's just all over the place making plays. Uh, that's kind of the, the, the gist that I got from watching his tape. They move him around a lot. He, he plays a little end. He plays a little tackle, uh, and he's versatile. I think that that's a huge thing when you're coming to college is being able to play multiple spots. But also, uh, the thing for me, and it's such a cliche when talking recruiting, but, I mean, you watch his tape and you see, I mean, high energy, high motor, constantly moving pursuing the football I think that that's that's a huge thing I mean that that's a that's how you get on the field in college you saw it on the season this week Terrell Buckley was talking to his guys about effort and body language uh Devin Lee is <laughs> a lot of effort a lot of body language and he is uh I think this is a good pickup I mean three star but you know it's it's that weird no evaluation cycle where this is a guy that maybe gets up to a 5.7 three star if he gets to go to camps and, and is seen more, but plays a high level at Ola in, uh, in Georgia, McDonough, Georgia, and um, sturdy, 6'4", 295. I think this is a solid pickup for Deke Adams. And, and they, they highlighted him a couple months ago and have been after him hard. Um, Vandy thought they had him. Mississippi State came in pretty late, made a run in Virginia Tech. That's, that's three pretty good, uh, I think, three, three pretty good Power 5 programs there. Um, out or should say Georgia Tech, not Vandy. Um, yeah. Defensive-minded. Jeff Collins knows defense. If he wants him, that's a, I think it's a good solid pickup for Ole Miss. I know you are uh, of the opinion, and I share it, that they're going to be active on the JUCO front. 
maybe in mm-hmm. general, but especially on the defensive line. We talked about Nigel McGriff. I think we talked about him some last week. I can't remember. So at some point, some of the podcasts start to run together in my head. Yeah. Um, Isaiah Iton. Uh, McGriff, by the way, is from Northwest in Senatobia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iton is from Hutchinson out in Kansas. And then Jalen Williams, uh, Jones College in Ellisville. Uh, all big guys. McGriff is 6'3", 290. Iton, 6'4", 295. Williams, 6'3", 295. The kind of big bodies that you need. And then because of the pandemic, this is where you, you, you can afford to take a gamble on these guys a little bit because they don't lose a year of eligibility playing this year. Right. Yeah, the, the Board of Regents in the uh, National Junior College Athletic Association voted on it. I believe it was announced yesterday um, that all 20 through 21 um, sports seasons will not count towards student-athlete eligibility. So that's huge. Um, so it's uh, – a lot of those guys that have, you know, you know, two to play one, that kind of thing. Now it becomes two to play two. So that's a, that's a big deal because Neil, as you know, more times than not, uh, you, you, I mean, it takes a Juco guy sometimes a year to get acclimated. Um, they're, they're spinning a little bit when they get out there. Sometimes you can, you can, you can strike a guy uh, or I should say strike gold on a guy comes in, plays immediately. But, uh, you know, the name that always comes to mind is kind of like a Patrick Trahan or an Ashley Palmer where uh, that second year jump is uh, is big. So that's a that's a pretty clutch thing to happen, especially in this season uh, with uh, just a 10 game season. And I think you're right. I think they're looking to completely overhaul this roster. Got to get bigger and faster. Yeah. I have people ask me, what do you expect? And my answer is, I expect a lot of turnover. No one's told me that, but that's what I expect. Mm-hmm. I expect organized chaos. Yeah. I do. I, that's I a good expect, way to put it. I expect uh, guys to get processed. I expect them to be active going after some guys. Yeah. Because, again, it's it's – Kiffin talked about this. I asked him about this the other day, and, and he talked about this some. He said, you know, no one knows whether they're going to even be able to meet these guys. And then what else goes unknown, and you, you talk to coaches about this, they're frustrated. We all are. I mean, I think the world, the following is not a political comment. Bill, um, brace yourselves. There's COVID fatigue. These coaches have COVID fatigue. This thing is around them all the time. And from a recruiting standpoint, they don't know when can you start again. Like if you're Ole Miss and you're thinking about next year's plan, what's that plan look like? Are you going to have to do this again? Or are you going to be able to hit the road traditionally and get to know people and, and, and talk to people and get in some high school uh, in the spring, get in some high school field houses and talk to kids face-to-face, talk to coaches face-to-face, get to know guys, or is it going to be another year of Zoom calls? And I think it's the former and not the latter, but no one can promise you right now, Zach. So that's one of the reasons I think they're going to really be active and they're going to go after some JUCO guys. They're going to try to get some guys who can be immediate impact players because – going out and landing a bunch of five stars out of high school that can come in and help you when they didn't have a chance to come to your campus is not a realistic strategy. So I expect 
like someone said, how many of those three JUCOs would they take? My thought, as many as you could get. Yeah. I think they take, they, they take them all if they could. I mean, you, you talked about the size. They, I know every, obviously you need to get bigger and faster and stronger. That's a given, but I think that that's evident when you watch this, this front seven plays. They're not very big and they're not very fast. Um, so those Juco guys meet that size-speed ratio they've been looking for. Uh, another name, I, you, we talk about Juco, they're going to be active in the portal as well. You got a guy like Ish, Ishmael Sobscher who's leaving Alabama. Ole Miss recruited him very, very heavily. It's a, at one point was the number one player in the country in his class. Um, and then talking about the high school level, uh, a lot of people think it's Tennessee or Ole Miss for Taiwan Malone. And Jeremy Pruitt fired Jimmy Brumball last week. During the game. During the game. That's his D-line coach. So, is Taiwan, you know, who's going to be his D-line coach now? So, I don't that's to do this. I don't crystal ball because I don't want to get yelled at more than I already get yelled at. <laughs> okay. I don't know that I'm quite ready to do the crystal ball, but I would be warming up the crystal ball machine. I like Ole Miss's chances with Malone more today than I ever did before. Yeah. I would think that too. And I, you know, he, he said it in a couple of interviews now and he's been extremely quiet this whole process. And I think he's finally, now that he's narrowed it down, he's kind of said some things, but one quote that he says a lot that I think resonates and I think gives Ole Miss the best shot. It's he knows who Jerry Neely and John Rice Pumley are. He knows that they play football and baseball. And I yeah. think that's a huge thing. Um, and then, you know, Chase, talked with Mike Bianco for, you know, an hour the other day. I mean, Mike Bianco has a phenomenal national brand over there at Swayze Field. I don't think that's lost on Taiwan. So, as someone who wants to play college baseball and takes it very serious, and you've got Lane Kiffin with some real momentum and a national brand that he's starting to build, I mean, last time I checked, Neil, Matt Luke wasn't on the Dan Patrick show multiple times. So, you know, I mean, the only people that are on that show a lot these days are Lane Kiffin and the ULM water, water ski coach. <laughs> That's uh, right. Yeah, I'll tell you this now. There's a rumor, and it's just rumor, that Malone also really likes water skiing and that if he decides to be a three-sport star, it's football, baseball, yeah, water skiing. And I'm going to tell you, last I checked, neither Ole Miss nor Tennessee have a water ski team. You can connect the dots there, Neil, in terms of baseball because Ole Miss's last baseball game in 2020 was in Monroe. That's exactly right. right. And that's hey, that is not a coincidence and that is not lost on Taiwan Malone. I'll, say, I'll, I'll tell you that now, breaking. Yeah. Uh, they're also in on uh, some transfer guys, one that played at Maryland for uh, DJ Durkin, Soon Oluwatimi. So yeah, he he's got a his name his his full name is a mouthful. Um, yeah. So that's just an abbreviation. Um, his Ola was seeing Ola Watimi. Oh. So he just goes by Cian or Sean. I don't know how he says it, but um, but yeah. So pretty cool story. Uh, walked on, eventually earned a scholarship, and then started every game his last year at Maryland. Uh, got his degree. Um, Three time all academic or three-time academic All-Big Ten, excuse me. Um, yeah, one of only five players to start in all 12 games. And um, he has now earned his degree, so he is now ready to, uh, I guess, look elsewhere. One thing that jumped out to me uh, about him, 
And uh, I would assume that, you know, maybe Durkin is going to get in touch with him, but it wouldn't hurt because he went to high school at one DeMatha Catholic in high school, oh, Maryland. Yeah. DeMatha is an absolute factory for, uh, for high school players. So if they want to make some inroads to a high school program, and you were talking about it, if they want to get in some field houses for 2022, um, that's a good place to start. So uh, we'll see if, if Durkin reaches out. But um, I, you, you, you play a lot in the Big Ten up front. I mean, yeah. You can play. Well, at some point, you, you just need some guys who can come in and play a little bit. Because even if you, if you sign a bunch of high school guys, you, you wouldn't mind having a bridge to, to get right. you some development time. I meant to tell you this last week, and I failed. Um, it was a busy week. There was a lot going on. And I got this information late in the week, so you probably already know more about it. And there was a point where uh, Arkansas felt good about Armand Bethea, the offensive lineman from um, Erasmus Hall campus in Brooklyn. Uh-huh. I was told by someone close to the Arkansas program that the Hogs are out. I know Arizona State's in this, but uh, Arkansas felt like Ole Miss was really in it on Armand Bethea. I apologize for waiting to tell you here on a Zoom call where we're doing a show. <laughs> but um, <Yeah. laughs> better late than never. But uh, it makes sense, too, that they would try to get some offensive line guys with some experience who could step in and, and, um, and play a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Armand up there, Erasmus Hall up there in Flatbush. Shout out to uh to Brooklyn, but yeah, um, now they're not playing the game this year. They announced it um last week, or no, maybe it was earlier this week. Uh, the the U.S. All American Bowl, they're not playing it this year. The one in San Antonio, um, due to COVID, they just felt that they weren't going to be able to to uh keep the players safe. So um, but that's a bummer. But uh, Armand was chosen for that game, so. That's kind of where I've, I've said it before in the chicks where I'm like, you know, this is kind of that cycle where you just need to, you know, pay attention to the offers, pay attention to who the coaches hone in on because the star ratings are not going to matter a ton this year. Um, Arizona State is in on, is in on him now. Uh, it's basically going to be, I think, the Sun Devils or the Rebels. Uh, and a su- surprise public thing, uh, Arizona State, I don't know if you saw this, Neil, pulled two offers from two offensive linemen last week. Really? Um, and, uh, one of them, you know, did his thing on Twitter, decommitted and, you know, put it out there that they pulled his offer. So I don't, I guess Herm Edwards and them don't care. Um, so I, I think, you know, maybe they're making room for Armand. I, I, you know, he's, he's a, uh, an impressive prospect. I, uh, a big physical guy from, from New York. Uh, Ole Miss really wants him. They've been recruiting him hard. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a guy you're talking about bridging. Um, but a six six three fifteen guy can come in and, and play more times than not. So yeah, Randy Clements versus uh, Antonio Pierce for this one. All right, last thing. Um, I anticipate another kind of a virtual recruiting day for Ole Miss tomorrow. That has proven to be fairly significant as to who shows up for those who who gets up in the morning and logs into their Zoom and spends the day zooming with the Rebels, or whoever, uh, this has started to become a bit of a trend around the country talking to some people that it's a sign of real interest when a kid logs into his Zoom mm-hmm. and spends time with you because he doesn't have to. No yeah. one's stopping him from rolling over in the bed and sleeping some more or going over and hanging out with his buddies or going to see right. his girlfriend or, or going to Lyft or whatever the case may be. When they sit down in front of a computer or sign into their phone all day and 
and Zoom with you all day long. That's a sign of interest. That's proven to be the case uh, already. And I think it's going to be more and more the case as this as we get closer to a December signing period that I think is probably going to happen without any in-person contact at all. Absolutely. And then tomorrow with the 11 a.m. kick, it really shows who is serious because the ones that tune in for the Zoom are having to make that tough decision to not tune in for my respect, my decision live stream. Ooh, so thought of it that way. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it, it's very, very significant because they're, they're kids, they're teenagers. They're either sleeping in or they're getting up and they're playing video games or they're going out, you know, hanging out with buddies, watching college game day, you know, anything but that. But definitely the names that we put out there that tune in for that, that's who you need to pay attention to. All right, we'll stop there. Uh, enjoy your weekend, everyone. Thanks to uh, Zach Barry for his time here on the Soft Verbal. Don't forget, deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com, enter promo code Rebel Grove at checkout. You'll be glad that you did. Best socks you'll ever put on your feet. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast. Until then, for Zach Barry, I'm Neil McCready. Take care.